Well, communication is essential for any relationship, right? Anyone who's ever been in a relationship knows that you're in a bad place in the relationship when the people actually stop fighting and just go silent. Um, I heard of a couple once who were in such a bad place that they both gave each other the silent treatment. And so they were locked in this sort of marital game of chicken and neither of them wanted to be the one who broke the silence. And a few days of silence went by and then the husband remembered, I've got a flight the next day, an early flight, and I need my wife to help me wake up so I don't miss my flight. But he didn't want to break the silence, so he said, I've got an idea. I'm going to write a note. And he wrote on the note, please wake me up at 5 a.m. for my flight. And he put it on her pillow on her side of the bed, and he went to sleep. Well, you can imagine what happened. He woke up at 8 a.m. He missed his flight. He was furious that his wife didn't help wake him up until he looked on his pillow and he saw a note. And it said, wake up. <laughs> Some of you just missed your only chance to laugh during this sermon. <laughs> we know silence is not good for any relationship. Relationships need communication to work. So what happens when it seems like God is giving us the silent treatment? That's the context for our passage today as we're looking at the story of Samuel, who was the promised child born to a woman named Hannah that we looked at last week. And this story is all about the word of the Lord. Our God is a God who speaks. He is not silent, but he speaks. And when he speaks, creation happens. Life happens. The heavens and the earth are created out of nothing. When he speaks, new life, new creation sprout up in barren places. Kingdoms rise and fall. And when he speaks, all who love him and trust him listen to his words. And in our story today, the Lord spoke to this young promised child named Samuel. And one of the reasons, as you'll see throughout this series, that God gave us stories is that so that we could put ourselves in the story and that we might find ourselves in the stories of Scripture. So today, can you put yourself in the shoes of Samuel? We're going to focus on his actions and we're going to follow him through this story. And, the first, and, and what we're going to see um, as we focus in on Samuel is that Samuel ministered, Samuel listened, Samuel feared, and Samuel revealed. This is Samuel's story. The first thing we see is that Samuel ministered, verses 1 through 3. They set the stage for the, the story. It tells us this. Now, the, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of the God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Now, this is a classic Sunday school story, and we might be tempted to see this and read this story of Samuel like a fairy tale. The boy who had the idyllic childhood living in the temple, sleeping near the ark. God was his father. But if you look closely, 
It's not a pretty story. Samuel lived in a dark time, which is personified here both by Eli's blindness and the lamp in the temple that had not yet gone out in this particular story because it was dimming through the night as it burned. And at this point in the story, the lamp is dimming. These were also dark days because this was in a period of time called the Judges. There's a whole book of the Bible called the Judges. And in fact, Samuel is the first in a long line of prophets. As we heard, he was established as a prophet, but he's also the last in the line of the Judges. And the period of the Judges is so bad that the historian of this period actually summarizes the ethos of the day over and over throughout the book of Judges with this dark and ominous phrase. There was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And it didn't just seem like God was silent or given the silent treatment in the midst of this darkness. God was silent. There was no Bible to speak of apart from perhaps the Torah. Um, and they didn't, Samuel didn't have the Old and the New Testament like we have. And the only place he possibly could have heard that was at the temple in Shiloh at the worship services. But you know what else he would have heard if he went to Shiloh? What else he would have witnessed? He would have found corruption. See, the priest Eli is not a paradigm of paternal discipleship. His blindness was spiritual as well. He had two sons who were also priests, and his sons had utterly corrupted the priesthood. They were stealing from the sacrifices, which is akin to reaching into the offering plate and robbing God from his offerings and robbing the people. And not only that, but they were violating women, sexually abusing women in the temple. And Eli's sin was silent. He did not restrain them, verse 13 tells us. He turned a blind eye. He gave a half-hearted rebuke that we'll see next week in chapter 2 when Kyle preaches on the story of Eli. But he failed to hold his sons accountable for the corruption of the priesthood. And instead, he was literally getting fat off of the sacrifices that they robbed from God. And in the midst of the darkness and the corruption, there is Samuel, dutifully ministering to the Lord, sleeping in the temple near the very ark of God. But put yourself in his shoes. None of this could have been easy for Samuel. His mother dedicated him to the Lord, which means she dropped him off at the temple at about age five and left to see him only once a year. He had five siblings since then, which he rarely saw. And at this point in the story, he's about 12 years old and he's raised here in the temple by Eli and, and his family. And um, although he was adopted by God, he was raised by wolves. He was raised by these corrupt people. Living in the temple, think about this, living in the temple meant that he had a first row seat at the corruption. He likely heard all that was happening around him. But he didn't hear God because God was silent. Can you relate to Samuel? Do you ever feel like you're going through the motions wondering if maybe you got the short end of the stick? Do you look at the suffering around you and wonder why God doesn't seem to be doing anything about it? Do you look at the corruption in the church 
is we hear about scandal after scandal after scandal of Christian leader and wonder why God could allow it. Do you ever long for God to just say something? Just do something. Do you ever feel like the light is just barely hanging on? The oil has almost gone out of the lamp. I know I do. Or do you relate to Samuel when he really isn't even expecting God to speak because he'd never heard him before? See, Samuel didn't ask for God to speak. He wasn't even expecting it. I know I relate to Samuel. But even when Samuel wasn't expecting anything, God had a plan. Even when Samuel wasn't looking for it, God spoke in the midst of those dark and twisted days. And when he did, Samuel listened. Samuel listened. Verses 6 through 14 give us the part of the story that we remember from Sunday school and vacation Bible school, if you heard it as a child. The Lord Yahweh calls out to Samuel by name, Samuel, Samuel. And two times Samuel runs to Eli, asking if it's Eli. And finally, Eli says, no, this is the Lord. This is Yahweh calling out to you because Samuel didn't recognize the voice of God. And so the third time Eli gave him that beautiful prayer, did you hear it? Speak, Lord, for your servant listens, for your servant hears. And God breaks the silence with his word. And Samuel listened. Can you relate to Samuel there? Failing to hear or recognize the word of the Lord? Failing to see him at work in the world? You know, we think often when the Lord speaks, it would be so clear and recognizable that, that we couldn't miss it. And yet Samuel's story teaches us that it actually takes discernment and practice even to hear the word of the Lord. We want the extraordinary experience to be woken up in the middle of the night with a word from the Lord. But we need discernment. There's a lot I could say here. But one thing we need to, to know is that Everything that claims to be the word of the Lord is not. There is no shortage of false prophets and groups and people who will put a cross on their cause and claim that it's the cause of Christ. There is no shortage of people claiming to speak in the name of the Lord. And beyond that, there is no shortage of voices in our world. Our, our hearts and our minds are inundated with other voices every day we need discernment to hear the word of the lord so how do we do it well here's the test for us we are on this side of the cross we're on this side of the old and new testament we have the word of god in the scriptures and so we take whatever teaching whatever claim whatever ethic whatever it is to the light of scripture and we ask is it consistent with or contrary to God's word, because God does not speak out of both sides of his mouth. If it's contrary to the word of God, then it is not from God. See, we need to listen like Samuel, especially when the days are dark and it seems like God is silent. We need to practice that discernment of learning to recognize his voice. And the way we do it is by bringing our lives to scripture. That means the whole thing. 
not just verse here and a verse there, the whole thing, so that we can hear the, and recognize the voice of the Lord. But Samuel finally recognized, with Eli's help, the Lord's voice, and he listened. The third time he listened, and what did the Lord say to Samuel? Samuel, go to med school. No. Samuel, break up with the girl that you're dating. No. Look at verses 11 through 14. It was this word, Samuel, I'm bringing judgment. God spoke a word of judgment and Samuel listened. And look at what he did next. Samuel feared. Samuel feared. I think this is actually the climactic moment of the story when it builds up the first time God speaks, and the second time, and then the third time, and then you finally hear the word of the Lord in this crescendo. We know what God wanted to say. And then we're told that the story slows down. Verse 15, Samuel lay until morning. He was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. Samuel listened to the word of the Lord, and then Samuel feared. Why do you think he was afraid? It's probably the same reason we fear. How do you like to be the bearer of bad news? How do you think whistleblowers sleep at night? And get this, for Samuel, this word of judgment is for his surrogate father and brothers. They were bad men who had done bad things and they always seemed to get away with it. What would they do to him? That's likely what is in Samuel's mind as he lay there asleep, lay there not asleep, but awake, wondering how he could deliver the word. Samuel didn't know this yet, but people don't like prophets. Did you know that? A mentor of, of mine who is a pastor as well told me years ago that his boss, who was the lead pastor um, of this church, was having multiple affairs with women in the church. And so my mentor and a group of people had the arduous task of confronting him with the truth, confronting him with God's word and warning him of his sin. And you know what happened? The church circled the wagon around the leader. The group of people who confronted were ostracized. My mentor was fired. His wife was attacked. His children were mistreated. He would walk into a restaurant in his town and there would be people from the church in the restaurant who would just get up and walk out and leave because he spoke a word of judgment, a word of warning. People don't like prophets. It can be tempting to think that if we speak the Lord's word, then everyone will heed the warning. They will repent and they'll thank us for delivering it to them. But if you fast forward through Samuel's life, you'll see that being a prophet meant that most people did not want to hear what Samuel had to say. And very rarely did they actually listen to him. This young boy lying awake in the temple would someday hear a mob of God's people saying, give us a king like the nations. It broke his heart. It broke his heart that they didn't listen and want to follow Yahweh. This little boy would someday inaugurate God's kingdom by anointing a man named Saul to be king. And then he would see Saul ignore God's words over and over and over again to the point that Samuel actually feared for his life. 
when he spoke with Saul. People don't like prophets. Can you relate to Samuel? Are you afraid to speak the truth in love? Are you afraid to warn your friends, your Christian brothers and sisters, when you see them living in sin and error? Are you afraid to speak God's word with love and respect? You should be a little afraid. If not, you might be the type who embraces the label prophet and gets their kicks by telling everyone else how wrong they are. And if that's you, then don't forget that the prophets wept over the sins of the people. Samuel wept. Jeremiah wept. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. And I heard a pastor once say, I don't trust a prophet who doesn't weep. See, some of us are the people pleasers. Some of us are the bridge burners. I know I've been guilty of both, and I am guilty of both often. Samuel feared, but when the morning came, it was time for him to reveal. Samuel revealed. This is where our story has been going the whole time. Verses 16 through 21. Samuel revealed the word of judgment. And when he did, he revealed something of God. He revealed God to be a holy God who does care about justice and is at work in the world even when he appears to be silent and inactive. He cares about the corruption of the church, the corruption of his people, the victims who were victimized by the corruption of the priesthood, and he will bring judgment. And somehow, Eli actually received, he received the, the word from the Lord. It's perhaps anticlimactic, but despite his flaws, Eli knew one thing. God is God, and I am not. There's no use making excuses. And so the story ends with Samuel growing in the Lord, who was with him, verse 19 tells us. And he continued to speak the word of the Lord. He was now established as a prophet who would speak on behalf of the Lord and inaugurate the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Israel. So I ask you again, can you relate to Samuel? How does it feel to end here with Eli basically nodding his head? Relieved? Startled? Confused? Curious for more? Vindicated? Here's the real question, though. What if we aren't supposed to see ourselves in Samuel? Sure, we can relate to him. We can put ourselves in his shoes. But what if we aren't meant to be Samuel in this story? What if we aren't supposed to see ourselves as the fresh young prophet, but the blind and silent priest? What if we are Eli in this story? What if we are the, the sons? Can you relate to them? I think we can. This was written for the people of Israel, remember? The ones who refused the words of the Lord over and over again. The ones who stoned the prophets. Maybe that's the point of the story. 
We are the apathetic Eli with a half-hearted rebuke at the evil around us. The Eli who's blind and silent. Maybe we are the conniving and the manipulating sons who are guilty of corruption. Maybe we are the people who don't like the prophets. At our best, maybe we are a naive and dutiful young boy that didn't even expect God to speak or recognize his voice when he did. And here's the thing. God gave us this story, which means that we aren't just supposed to read the story. We've got to let the story read us. That's what God's word always does. It reveals his character, but it also reveals ours. It sanctifies, it cleanses, it judges. And to quote Samuel's mother, Hannah, it kills us and makes us alive again. Which means we've got to let the word of God speak into our darkness and our silence. This may be Samuel's story, but he's not the hero. He's only the protagonist. God is the hero of this story and every story that you find in the Bible. Will you let him speak to you? Years later, another promised child, a boy of about the same age, 12 years old or so, named Jesus of Nazareth, would be found in the temple in Jerusalem, which he called his father's house. He too had a mother who wrote songs of praise and expectation before his birth. He too would be a prophet whose heart was broken over the sins of his people. This promised child, Jesus, grew up and the Lord was with him. But he didn't just reveal a word of judgment. He was the word, come down to speak to us. He was the word of God made flesh to reveal to us the fullness and glory of God. And he came not to speak judgment alone, but to be judged, to receive the judgment of his people and become a curse for them on the cross so that he could save us from our sins. So if we find ourselves in this story, the application is this. Do you hear Jesus? Are you listening? He has the words of eternal life. Listen to him. Receive the holy word of the Lord. Follow him in our dark days. And let his word bring you to a place of dependence and walk in his light. Amen.